Well, welcome to week six of Redefining Radical. It's been an incredible journey, and uh, when I was going through the topics um, with Cam the other day at the coffee shop, um, I sort of did choose because I thought, ooh, that one, mm, a bit tough, that one's a bit tough, that one's a bit tough, and so I chose 1 Corinthians 6, a little bit weak, because seriously, some of them topics are pretty scary and pretty hard to preach on, isn't it? But um, isn't it good as a church? We're going through the tough stuff. We're going through the difficult issues, and we're doing that because in God's Word, it's all there. All the answers to life are there. Sometimes we shy away from some of the difficult problems we have in the church, particularly like last week's topic, when a, a man had committed such sexual immorality in the church, and yet the church had allowed it to happen. But Paul had said, we need to sort this out. We need to expel that immoral brother, because they thought, no, it's, oh, well, you know, he's a good bloke, and we don't want to upset him, and... There's almost that attitude in the church today, we don't want to upset people, but if God's word said it, says it, we need to do it. So this week as we go through uh, week six, we're looking at, in Redefining Radical, we're looking at litigation in the church. It probably it is a difficult topic as, as well because the Corinthian church had this problem of every time something went wrong, instead of taking it to the leadership, instead of taking it to each other, they just took it to the law courts and they wanted it all sorted out there. And we're going to have a look at that in a minute. But before we do, because... I guess I'm fairly new here. I've only been, with Sharon, I've only been here probably a year. We've spent probably the last three years trying to settle into Mount Gambia and deciding where we want to go. And we had a fantastic time visiting all the churches and then we tossed a coin and came here. No, no, it wasn't that. <laughs> no, we, 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 it was a really good experience to go to all the churches and experience some, you know, some great preaching, some great um, worship times and just some great interaction and fellowship. But we just felt God had led us here. And um, just briefly, I just need to share a little bit just of our background because you think, who the heck's Phil? Why haven't I seen him in the Baptist church? Well, basically, because the last 20-odd years, we've been going to Narracourt Uniting Church because there wasn't really a Baptist church in Narracourt. Anyway, so that's my excuse why I wasn't a Baptist. So anyway, so we were going to the Uniting Church and um, as our kids uh, got a bit older and we, um, I guess we were sitting in the church thinking we had, a, we had a really good church, had a lot of preachers, a lot of good worship leaders, Lots of good things happening and it got to a stage where Sharon and I were sort of just sitting in church, just really chilling out, really enjoying coming to church every Sunday and God was, I just got this tap on the shoulder saying, you need to do more and I was getting phone calls all the time, can you come and preach, can you come here, can you come there because in the space of about oh, three or four years, over about ten years ago, three parishes in the, in the Uniting Church area in the southeast lost their ministers, the Kingston lost their minister, Bordertown lost their minister, and the Padthaway Church lost the part-time minister as well. And it got to a stage where these lay ministry teams were forming. Some of them were going well, some were struggling. I used to get a lot of phone calls and I was too busy helping the kids with footy and cricket and stuff and coaching and having a great time. And, and God really challenged me to say, Phil, you need to do more. You need to get out. You've given that, God's given you that gift. You need to use it. So Sharon and I started to go to the churches and started... Um, regularly going to different churches and we sort of worked out a roster so that we could spend one one uh, once uh, every two months we'd be in Melbourne to see our kids and we'd have another day where we'd see our family my mum and dad uh, sorry my my dad passed away my mum and Sharon's mum and dad because they're getting older to Adelaide so we had this roster sort of worked out and then it got to a stage where a minister said to me one day in Narracourt he says uh, do you ever come to our church <laughs> and so I was able to share them. The burden of my heart was to reach out to those places that didn't have a minister and to share the gospel with them. And so we had a really long chat and he said, um, he gave me, he released us from the church to start this ministry amongst other churches. So 
Um, over the last 10 years, we've been visiting the border town parish. There's three, par- there's three churches. There's a church called Buckingham. Has anybody heard? Just put your hand. Have you heard of Buckingham? Right. Yeah, well, Andrew has because he, he's, he's from the border town parish. Well, Buckingham is an amazing... It's not Buckingham Palace, but it's a church that started in 1891 and has faithfully met since 1891. It used to be the school and the church and just a fantastic Christian community. So we used to go to Buckingham, then we used to go to Mandala, Bordertown, Padthaway, and then we did the Lucendale, and then we still do Kingston and Row because we've got a holiday house down there, so we still regularly go there. So when you don't see us for a few weeks, it's not because I'm out fishing, it's actually because... We're visiting up, well, occasionally, occasionally. Sometimes the tide wins, but not very often. But, hey, we're often at uh, Kingston, Lucendale or, or Robe. And also we're visiting our aged parents in, in Adelaide as well as my son in Melbourne. So we do spend a bit of time away. But it is indeed a real privilege to be here today to preach God's word. And as I said, the topic today is about lawsuits or litigation among believers. And as I was going through my study journal, some of my old study books and, and um, Bible helps from good old Bible college days. I, I found the old Warren Wearsby series. Has anybody heard of Warren Wearsby here? Some of, some of us older ones. Sorry, Cam. He was, he was very popular when I was at Bible college. <laughs> but anyway, his topic for 1 Corinthians 6 was consider lost sinners. And I looked at that and thought, what? It's about litigation. Anyway, we're going to come to back, back to that a bit later on, consider lost sinners. But as we've looked over the last few weeks, we've looked at a city of Corinth. We've looked at a, a place where, it, look, it was a hive of activity. If you were travelling on the road from Sparta to Athens, you went through Corinth. If you're in a boat, you usually ended up there because of the bad weather or because that's where everybody ended up. It was a beautiful city, a, a population that was probably free citizens. There was probably a quarter of a million people, which was huge for back then. And the history tells us that it was over a half a million slaves that lived in this town. And as you came into this city, it was just beautifully, architecturally fantastic. It was just the, the city of the day. And there was this massive temple, the Temple of Aphrodite. And a temple, well, a little bit different to what we expected because if you were a female and you, and you were a priestess in the temple, you were a prostitute. If you are male, you went to see the prostitutes. And that was the biggest temple in the city. The city was full of sexual immorality. In fact, the word Corinthianize is a, is a Greek verb and it actually means a person that's sexually immoral. So it actually came from the word Corinth. So can you imagine these early Christians as they came into a church like this? They, they found the Lord. They, became, they were saved and as Paul said, they'd been washed, they'd been made clean, they'd been sanctified and they'd been justified. But they'd come from this background of sexual immorality and just a totally different lifestyle. And unfortunately, because Paul had left, some of these people had gone back into their old ways and their old habits. And one of these old habits was to go back, every time something went wrong, was to go to the law courts. I'm not happy with what happened. You know, Rodney's upset me, so I'm going to take, take him to the law courts. Or Peter, or Tom's upset me because he... He didn't pay for his coffee this week. I'm taking him to the law courts. Now, and it basically got to that point of view where everything that went wrong in the church, it wasn't sorted out within the church. It was sorted out in the law courts. Now, to set the theme today, I just want to tell you two brief stories that happened in my life. And that's one of the reasons I'm sharing this today because I said to Cam, this is very relevant to me because it's happened to me. So I said, well, this is your topic, Phil. So 
two stories that happen to be true. I'm not sharing them for you to feel sorry for me. I'm not sharing with you to say, hey, what a fantastic Christian Phil is. I'm just sharing to help you get through this topic today. We'd been in Narracook for probably five years. I had a great job, corporate services, and um, I went to work one Monday morning. Uh, the chairman of the board came up and said, Phil, you've, got, you've um, been put on leave with pay pending further investigation because the CEO of the place has actually um, taken a lot of money when he left and you've signed the checks and we're sorry but you're on leave with pay until further notice. So I was put on leave with pay and all of a sudden the world around me just, the, the floor just fell out from underneath me. Here I was with a secure job, set for life, living in Narracourt, great property, you know, great church, great kids, great wife, everything going great and all of a sudden, Phil, you need to go home until further notice. And so over the next few months, I went through various um, situations, I had to go to various meetings, but the long of the short was that I did have to get a lawyer because I was getting all these letters from my company saying, you know, this is what you've done, and I thought, well, actually, I haven't done that. But so I, I got a lawyer, and I went through a, a long litigation procedure, and uh, it was a very harrowing time for me, but at the end of it, I basically, uh, I guess you could say I won the court case, and uh, I got all this money, and you know what it did? Paid off the lawyer. So <laughs> it was a win-win situation for the lawyer. But it was a really difficult, harrowing time for our whole family. Everything had to change. Sharon had to go to work all of a sudden. The kids were wondering, why can't we go on all these holidays and why can't we get all these things we used to have? Because they didn't have the money. Really awkward situation. And then we come to Mount Gambia and then last year I get offered this amazing corporate job. I think, wow, this is fantastic and... You know, everything seems, you know, we've got it all mapped out. The future's mapped out ahead. And I was three, min three months, one week off three months into the job. And I'd sort of, um, sort of bought quite a few things, to, to, you know, as part of the corporate um, structure to, to make everything happen. And I went ahead and did all these things, purchased the car, purchased the phone, purchased the computer. And one week out of the three-month period, they all the, the big bosses come down from Adelaide said, Oh, Phil, we've decided we don't need you anymore. We're going to do it all from Adelaide. And I thought, hmm. And how do you think I felt? The bottom fell from under me again. And I thought, wow, what's going on, Lord? I don't get it. But I guess I was able to reflect the previous time that happened. And uh, I guess it really did help me. And but 1 Corinthians 6 was a passage that I read over and over again. And uh, I want to leave it at that because at the end of my message, I'm going to tell you what happened. All right, because that way you can't fall asleep because you all want to know what happened to Phil. <laughs> well, I obviously survived because I'm still here. So anyway, we're going to read the um, Bible reading today. So Theo, we can get that up. 1 Corinthians 6, it's just 1 to 11. So if you've got your Bibles or you can look it up there, it's 1 Corinthians 6, 1 to 11. So here we go. If any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare to take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, do you ask for ruling from those whose way of life is scorned by the church? I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? 
But instead, one brother takes another to court. And this is in front of unbelievers. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means that you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong. And you do this to your brothers and sisters. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Let's pray. Father God, as we read this passage today, May it come alive to us and through your spirit, Lord, may you speak to each one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 1 says, if any of you... So I just want to let you know that Paul was, was speaking to the Corinthian church. So today, the Spirit of God is speaking to us as a church because it says, if any of you... He's speaking to the church. So this message is to the church. If any of you has a dispute with another, do not dare take it before the ungodly for judgment. Instead, take it before the Lord's people. Paul is trying to say to the Corinthians here, don't take it to the courts. Don't take it to the courts, but take it to the Lord's people. Keep it in. Keep it inside the church. Why? Because the Lord's people are going to judge the world one day. And I look at that and think, wow. That's pretty amazing when you think about it, isn't it? That we, as Christians... Not only going to judge the world, but going to judge the fallen angels, all the fallen angels, including Satan. Paul says here that we are going to judge the world one day. Now, that's a sermon in itself. I could go on about it. I could give you all the doctrines, but I'm not going to do that today. But I'll give you some. If, you're, if you've got a pen and paper, you write down 2 Peter 2 4, because that says that the fallen angels have been sent to hell awaiting judgment. John 5 22 says that all judgment has been entrusted to the Son, Jesus. And Revelation 3.21 says, To the one who is victorious, that's all us Christians, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. So just so you know, that one day we are going to judge the world, the unsaved, and we're going to judge the fallen angels. Pretty amazing, isn't it? So because of that, Paul's saying, you know, if, if, if we're going to be doing that, why can't we take these little problems that we've got and work it out amongst ourselves? You know, the Corinthian church was losing its testimony through immorality, through divisions, and now through lawsuits. And if you look at the historical counts, if you're an ancient Greek scholar, you'll realise that the Greeks, they love philosophy. They love having a good old chat, but they also love the law courts. They love taking it to the law courts. When things weren't working out, they went to the law courts. And, you know, it reminds me a bit of the last few years when we look at some of the cases in America. You know, some of the ridiculous things people take to court. And I hate to say it, it's coming to Australia. And 20 years ago on the telly, we never used to have an advert every night about the fact, hey, you've been wrong, take it to the courts. Every night we see it on the TV. If you've been wrong, take it to the courts. That's the attitude of the world today. And if you don't think there's crazy people around, well... Guess what? USA Today, I googled the 10 top ridiculous lawsuits. 
And I want to share some with you today just to let you know that we are a crazy people. But basically, I've done it, done it for the Americans, so we're not crazy ones for that, it's just the Americans, all right? So I've picked the top three. Actually, I've picked the top four only because you'll love the fourth one. Number one in the USA today for the most ridiculous lawsuits, Starbucks. They get two, okay? The first one was a multiple plaintiff that the lattes had a quarter of inch of, quarter inch of steamed milk instead of coffee. It was a multiple plaintiff. And the second one was that there was too much ice in the iced coffee. I'm serious. Okay, number one. Number two, a lip balm manufacturer violated a Californian packaging and labelling law because its tubes didn't allow the person to get to the lip balm at the bottom. Number two, serious. Number three, this is the best one. In Georgia, a woman was awarded $161,000 US after she was found partially liable for walking into a ladder while on her mobile phone. Seriously. 161000 Okay, number four. Now, I've picked number four because in, no, in 2015, this was number one. And look, this is, I've just got to read it because it just, it just blows my mind away. A monkey took a selfie with nature photographer David Slate's camera, which he published. Peter, the people for the ethical treatment of animals, took him to court because they said that the monkey should be getting the profits. And it's still going on today, 2015, 2016. And at this stage, the monkey is winning. Okay. So, so, so there they are. Unbelievable, isn't it? But, you know, we laugh. But, you know, there are churches today that have done silly things in themselves. They've taken, you know, they've taken people to courts for the most silliest things. You know, we laugh, but it's just a sad indictment on society today. So while writing to the Corinthian church on this issue of litigation, Paul detected three tragedies of the Corinthian church. And I want to share those three tragedies with us today as the main part of our sermon. Three tragedies of the Corinthian church, and I hope we can apply them back to, to our church later on in the service. The first tragedy of the Corinthian church was that the Christians in Corinth were presenting a poor example to the people of Corinth. So the Christians in Corinth were, were presenting a poor example to the rest of Corinth. As the everyday person of Corinth looked out, they saw this church taking on all this fighting and disagreement to the very public law courts. Everybody knew what was going on. Paul said to them in verse 4, If you have disputes, do you ask for a ruling from those whose way of life is scorned in the church? I say this to shame you. Now, I just want to read this from the message. I know it's paraphrased, but I just really liked how Paul summed it up. So I'm just going to read it to you. I say this as bluntly as I can to wake you up to the stupidity of what you're doing. Is it possible that there isn't one level-headed person among you who can make fair decisions when disagreements and disputes come up? I don't believe it. And here you are taking each other to court before people who don't even believe in God. How can they render justice if they don't believe in the God of justice? I thought that was pretty good, you know, and uh, sort of summed up how Paul was feeling, how Paul was trying to explain to these people and so there's that first tragedy that the Corinthian church was presenting a poor example to the rest of Corinth. The second tragedy was that the Corinthian church had failed to live up to its full Christian potential. 
Paul was trying to explain to the Corinthian church that one day they're going to be judging all the world. So why couldn't they settle their differences here on earth? The Corinthians boasted of great wealth, of great spiritual gifts. So why not use them in solving their problems? You know, we read in the very first chapter of 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 1, 7, Paul said to the Corinthian church, he said, Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm till the end. So the second one is that the, Christ, the, the, the people of Corinth were failing to reach their full Christian potential. Number three, by suing each other, they had already lost. And in verse 7, it says, The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means that you have been completely defeated already. And Paul takes it a step further. He says, Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? And you know, Jesus also gives us a, a great example in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5.39 when he was saying to us, It's better to lose your money. It's better to lose your possessions than to lose a sister or a brother and also lose your testimony as well. I think it also reflects on the state of spirituality at the time. Because we see in 1 Corinthians 3 that Paul was referring to them as mere infants, mere babes in Christ, carnal in nature. But Paul reminded them later on in, that verse, in verse 11 as we read on. And he said to them, and he, and he went through all the different things, that, that they'd, you know, the different lifestyles that they'd lived. But at the end of it he says, but you, you were washed you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. So there we have it. So we've got, was it first one? The Christians in Corinth presenting a poor example to the people of Corinth. That the Corinthian church failed to live up to its full Christian potential and that by suing each other, they had already lost. And you know, part of the problem of the Corinthian culture, that it was locked into this Wamoth, this Wamoth syndrome. Has anybody heard of the Wamoth syndrome? No. Well, you know what? It's an acronym. W-A-M-I-I-F. The Wamoth syndrome. Do you want me to sing it to you? No, I'll just tell you. What about me? It isn't fair. I'm seriously, that was the syndrome of the church that is the syndrome of the world today it was the syndrome of the church back in Corinth what about me it isn't fair so what does Paul say here he said isn't it better to be wronged isn't it better to be cheated and I believe that's the attitude that the Corinthian church failed to take and it's the attitude that we need to take as we uh, live in this this town or the city of Mount Gambier now, I just want to go back. Remember I said I'd just share what happened? Well, what happened in Narracourt, it was basically a whole year where ba I, I suffered depression. I couldn't work. And at the end of it, I, I was just so fortunate that I had a caring family. I had a loving pastor. You know, for the first three months, he came and visited me every day. And he, he prayed with me. He read scriptures to me. He encouraged me. He did so much with me to help me. And over that year, I was able to realise that, hey, it's happened for a reason. I need to move on. But, you know, God was challenging me that even though, you know, I'd been wronged, there was things that I'd done that I could have done better. And God challenged me to go back to the board 
and apologise. And part of me was saying, but hang on, most of this wasn't my fault. But the Spirit of God was saying, behave, but Phil, you did do some wrong things, you need to apologise. So I had, all the, I had this amazing sort of, um, I guess, um, summary of what I was going to say to the board chairman, you know, you know, all the things, how I'd been wronged and why I did it and all that stuff. But I was going to apologise. So I went into that room a year later, feeling much stronger. My pastor prayed for me before I went in. And I went in there, had it all worked out what I was going to say. And I was just about to sit down and the, and the uh, chairman of the board said to me, I'm so glad you came today because I've just been so angry with you. He said, my life's been misery. That first six months was absolute misery for me. And I'm just so angry what you did. And I'm just so pleased today you finally come to apologise and sort things out. And I thought, oh. And once again, the Spirit of God was saying, Phil, forget about the Womath syndrome right now. You need to sort this thing out, get this thing right. So what I did was I just said to her, look, I'm really sorry. I mucked up. I was wrong. I'm sorry what I've put you through, but I just come here to apologise so that I can move on and you can move on. And so she accepted my apology and I went out. You know, as I was walking out the corridor of this place, I'm thinking, oh, I never got to say anything I wanted to say. You know, the Spirit of God was saying to me, Phil, pray for this organisation. Pray for this organisation. Pray for this person. It's been done for a reason. And, you know, by the time I got back in my car, I was fine. God released all that rubbish from me. I was able to get another job and I moved on. Moved ahead to last year, trying to sort through, why did I just lose this best job I've ever had? What's going on? And you know what? It was 1 Corinthians 6. I read that through over and over and over again. And because this was a parachurch organisation and it was part of a Christian organisation, I knew that I couldn't take him to court. As much as I wanted to take him to court, I knew that it was the wrong thing to do. And so I didn't take him to court. And yes, it did take a few weeks of, you know, praying through it and trying to work out why this had happened. But, you know, I can honestly say today I've got no regrets. I don't understand why I lost the job, but I've got peace with God that um, I've meant to do something else. So can I encourage you, church, that uh, when situations arise, go back to God's word. Read God's word, because the answer is found in God's word. And if you go against that, you will find nothing but turmoil and trouble. I just want to um, finish off. We're just going to summarise um, what we've been through today. And I, I, I just pray that... Um, as you've heard my experience, like I said, I don't want you to feel sorry for me. I don't want you to think I'm a goody two-shoes and I'm right up there in the spiritual category because I'm not. I'm just one of God's servants living out my gift and hopefully encouraging the church as I do it. So as we redefine radical today, we've looked at three tragedies in the Corinthian church. Let's look at how it applies to us as a church in Mount Gambier. So let's redefine those tragedies let's look at them and reflect how it affects us and how it could affect us firstly does my church or do i present a good example to the people of mount gambia do i present a good example does our church present a good example to the people of mount gambia when they look up at the hill what do they see is there negative talk is there oh, is that that silly church up the hill i don't know because i haven't been here long enough but it's just a challenge to us today. What do people see when they look up at the church on the hill? 
Secondly, am I living out my full Christian potential? Am I locked into the one syndrome? Or am I working towards the I-I-I-O-O principle? Now, what is the I-O? Another acronym, I-O-O. And you know what that one is? It's the Philippians 2 principle. It's the interests of others. Read it when you get home, Philippians 2. It's when I start to take an interest in other people and not myself. And now that's how we start living out our full Christian potential, when we start taking the focus of ourselves and place it on others. And finally, have you lost already? Are you living a defeated life like the Corinthian church was? I just want to remind you that as Christians, as Paul told us in verse 11, we have been washed. We have been washed clean. We have been made, we have been justified. We have been sanctified. Now we've been made holy. We've been set apart as believers to reach out to the people of Mount Gambia. Isn't it funny how that what Warren Wearsby said, consider the lost. That was his topic. And I want us today to consider the lost as we think about these tragedies that happened in the Corinthian church and not let them happen to our church here, to consider the lost. In Matthew 7.13, Jesus tells us that there's this broad road that leads to destruction. Many are on it. And you know that broad road, that starts in Adelaide. It works its way through Keith. It comes through Tintanara to Naracourt to Panola and finally to Mount Gambia. And it is a broad road. And many are on it. And as I step out into the world this week, as I step out in an hour's time, I'm stepping out into that broad road because the majority of Mount Gambia are on it. How am I going to reach the lost? How am I going to make a difference in this world? How am I going to see those people come off the broad road into the narrow road that leads to life? I believe it's by living out our faith. I believe, as Jesus said, that you are the salt. You are the light of the world. And as I go out this week, I want to be able to be salt. I want to get that salt shake and start shaking it over that broad road and making a difference. But hey, oh, it's blocked. Is yours blocked? Nothing's coming out. Oh, mine's empty. I wonder why that is. I believe it's because we don't read God's word. I, don't, I believe it's because we don't pray enough. And as we get out on that broad road, I want to see our salt shakers working and making a difference in the world. And so my challenge today is, it's, this came to me at four o'clock this morning, for every hour of television that I watch this week, I'm going to do half an hour of devotion. I'm going to read God's word and pray. So for every, or every hour of something you enjoy doing, but I'm staying television because I know I watch at least two hours of a program on Thursday night. For every hour of television, this is the challenge this week for us as a church, I'm going to do half an hour of Bible reading, devotion and prayer, okay? And then Jesus also said that you are the light of the world. We need to spread our light right through Mount Gambia. And, you know, for unfortunately, some of us, as we look to the light, the battery's flat. 
And you know, how do we be light in the world? We share our faith. So the second challenge today is that we share our testimony. We share our faith story with one person this week. So that's a challenge, church, for me and for you. For every hour of television, half of our Bible study and prayer. And at least one person share our testimony with. Now, if you're struggling with that second one, I'll give you a fantastic way if you work. Because when you go to work on Monday morning, what's the first thing someone says to you? Oh, what do you do on the weekend? And you easy say, I went shopping, had an easy weekend. Well, you know what? I easy say, oh, I went to church on Sunday, had a great time. So I dare you, when they say to you on Monday morning, what did you do on the weekend? Oh, I went to church, I heard this great preacher. <laughs> and you know what? It starts a topic of conversation. So that's a challenge for this week, all right? One hour of TV equals half an hour of devotion and prayer. And at least one person we speak to about our faith journey. Is that hard? Am I being too tough? No, I mean, I really believe God challenged me. This, this was at four o'clock this morning. And I'm going to do it. I honestly tell you I'm going to do it. And we're going to share about it next week. So let's pray.